This episode of Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen is not intended as a substitute for seeing your own mental health provider. We are here to initiate conversations about sex. Let's keep the conversations going. You can find us on Twitter at TalkingSexPod or email us at TalkingSexPodcast at gmail.com. We also want to give special thanks to Nathan Diffie for our podcast cover art and our wonderful editor, Julia W.D. Harrison. Lynn Ponton and I, Jennifer Wong, are the executive producers. Yo. There's certain things that I can talk to you about that I can't really with my dad. I don't think we should talk about this. Hello, uh, this is Lynn of Lynn and Jen, and today we're going to be talking about uh, President Trump's recent decision uh, to change some of the uh, rulings on how transgendered individuals are treated in our American military system. And uh, Jen, this is a big topic and one that I think indicates uh, just a chain of events that it's really attacked very uh, many sexual issues in our country and how we're coping with them, what advice we can give, what type of conversations we can suggest or encourage. All of this is part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so just to clarify, this is our spotlight on sex, which we haven't done in a while, and we're excited to be back here. So, yeah, as you were saying, I think that there's so much to talk about here. You know, there's there's a lot going on. I think one of the things, one of the aspects maybe that we can really address having a psychological background is to talk about the process of transition for transgender identified individuals. Because I think that, at least in my experience, among some of the more general public, there is still this idea that it can be very abrupt and suddenly change. And in my clinical experience, it really isn't that. We actually see that uh, those attitudes shared by some of the members of the military who were in favor of reinstating the ban on transgender. They kind of, some of the commentary is we don't want individuals having their daily hormonal crisis and just commentary that indicates that they don't understand what this experience is really about for individuals. And thinking about this, I think about uh, uh, one woman uh, that I work with for uh, approximately five or six years, and uh, she underwent uh, a gradual uh, transition uh, from male to female, and she had served in the military as a male and then transitioned to being a female. And this was a very arduous process for her. It affected all aspects of her life. Um, she sought out, obviously, several years of therapy with me. Uh, but even more so, it affected her relationships with other people. Um, she had a child that affected her parenting. You know, she had to consider many different things in making this, undergoing this transition. And uh, it was a very, very well thought out and gradual process. And I think about this in contrast to the tweets that we hear from the White House, which, uh, you know, are kind of now a nightly occurrence, but really does that demonstrate little thought and uh, how dedicated this woman was to understanding herself and then to helping others because she then mentored others 
you know, encouraging them to question the transition process, not necessarily to move ahead and go straight for it, but to think very, very carefully about it. So that careful process is juxtaposed to these kind of incessant tweets about areas that um, our current president seems to know very little about. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, I definitely have my own experiences, too, working with um, individuals who are either considering transitioning or in the process of transitioning. And I think one of the things that I hear about from people who don't understand a lot about the process is they talk about how the mental health burden of it all. And what I find really fascinating is, at least from what my clients have voiced, a lot of the mental health struggles that they deal with, the depression and the anxiety, it comes from their fears about not about who they are questioning themselves per se, but sometimes it comes from questioning whether they'll be okay in society because being identified as trans in a way puts a target on their back. They are more likely to be sexually assaulted. They are more likely to be victims of murder. And I think a lot of the distress comes from these external factors about them not being able to just be who they are. Well, you bring up a very good point when it's talking about the this client, and we can call her Christine. Um, sure. Uh, she really was very concerned about what her family would think, yeah. what the people she worked with would think. She herself was clear that in any other world, she would make this transition. So right. that wasn't even our concern. It was really more to help her address all of these other aspects of the transition in a careful way yeah. so that her whole family would, in a way, transition with her through this experience. Well, it does affect a lot of people, and I think that's important to acknowledge. I also... Again, I want to underscore that a lot of my clients were very similar in the sense that the one thing they were very sure about is if these other external factors that could have a potential negative effect on them personally were not there, they absolutely would would have just very quickly transitioned to a different gender. The other thing that I saw with uh, Christine was that she was very... Uh, fearful about attacks on oh, her yeah. sexuality and, um, you know, alert to them as many people who've been traumatized by their sexual development are. They're kind of aware of them. They're looking for them. They hear them. And I think about Christine in the last week or so as Trump's tweets have come out that here she served in the military. She dedicated herself to her country. She's thought very carefully about her children, everything else. And You know, I imagine her really hearing this as the attack that it is. It is an attack. Yeah. And how to, how to help, you know, transgendered individuals really respond, you know, to this, to feel included, to feel that we want them here in our country doing the things that they do to help all of us, really. Yeah. I mean, well, I think it comes back to an idea of, you know, It is a volunteer position, and the fact that these people are willing to risk their lives for our country is something I think they should be lauded for. And instead, they're now under attack because of this 
this aspect of them that does not actually impact their ability to serve. We have reports, unconfirmed reports, that say our next guest met with President Trump at the White House and took him to task for not focusing on his base. The author of the book, In Trump We Trust, her name is Ann Coulter, and she's with us now. Now, I'm just getting this coming in. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs says there will be no modifications to the military's transgender policy, regardless of yesterday's tweet from the president. The Joint Chiefs chair says the military will continue to, quote, treat all of his personnel with respect. You know, and I think this is another example of a distraction. Take you back to yesterday, the floor, the, the Senate floor, they're debating health care, and up comes a tweet from the president that says no transgender in the military. So immediately, attention focuses to that and not the job creation in Wisconsin. Would you at least admit that the president sometimes gets ahead of himself, distracts from his agenda? Um, actually, I thought it was a. I agree that it was a distraction. I thought it was a good distraction for something I wasn't very happy with the president over, and that was his. Um, well, I won't characterize them, but his tweets about the attorney general, the greatest member of the Trump administration, um, that was really getting um, his supporters and people who support his agenda down. Um, besides being delusional and, and insane, blaming the attorney general for things that Trump and President Trump himself was responsible for. I, I, at first, I thought it was a distraction from that. According to the Politico article today, if true, it's absolutely fantastic. According to the Politico article today, GOP leaders are opposing um, um, both not having taxpayers fund transgender operations for members of the military, and they are opposing any money for the wall. Um, so in order to get the funding through for the wall, um, it was being held up by conservative, or I would have thought, you know, sane humans in the Senate who don't want taxpayers, um, like you and me, paying for these lengthy transgender operations, years of therapy. Um, I mean, for Pete's sake, you can't get into the military. You used to not be able to get into the military. Who knows now? If you had asthma, psoriasis, attention deficit disorder, but we're going to bring in people with an extremely peculiar and rare mental illness. Great. And have the taxpayers pay for it. But both um, Trump's defense secretary and, as you say now, um, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, mm -hmm. but they're insisting that taxpayers fund transgender operations for, for people with a mental problem? Oh, come on. Okay. We're not going to have any ground wars. Knock this nonsense off. Trump gets to be go out against absurd political correctness and get funding for his wall. So I loved those tweets. And, and maybe to address just the, the concern that was brought up, you know, and uh, we think it, it's not the major argument right. here of discussion because there's other factors. Why is President Trump bringing this up at this time? I mean, I have two or three ideas, but one is this is a concerted attack on the sexuality of people in our country by the uh you know, the right wing groups, and they are really trying to take away people's freedoms under the area of sexuality. You know, it's very disturbing to see this happen. And the second is that President Trump has been under attack, you know, for issues related to obfuscation of justice uh, in the questions about his involvement with Russia. So counterattack is a big part of his campaign against oh, yeah. it. So those two factors alone are very, very disturbing. 
But I think we all have to think about the group that's being targeted. And he states, President Trump states, that they cost the government roughly, you know, approximately $5 million a year in additional health costs. Uh, the bulk of that is, uh, interestingly enough, not medical transition, <laughs> but psychological care uh, to help individuals deal with the discrimination, the increased suicide rates, the increased scapegoating, all of the things that we're really talking about. And I think what's fascinating about that, to add on to that, what I've seen is there are more children who are comfortable with coming out about the fact that they believe they are trans, I see that those that are supported very young, they don't seem to suffer in quite the same way, these mental health issues with the suicidal feelings and the lack of community support and the anxiety. It's not that it's an easy transition for them, but that I I see that a lot of this mental health stress that comes is really about how someone is welcomed or not welcomed and allowed to fit in or not fit in. And I think policies like this just increase that. So in a way, by enacting this type of policy, you really are increasing the stress on these people, which increases the costs as well, if you're looking at it from this cost frame. Yeah. Which you and I are not, <laughs> but, you know, we have to address it. Well, I think we always are aware of cost. I mean, I think it's important to say, you know, mention the patient, Christine, she paid for her own therapy to really help her self undergo this process. And I've also worked in clinics where we've supported the therapy, you know, therapists have given time and, and donated really to this process. So, you know, the government saying that this is a large expenditure for them, you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think this attack causes more to be spent really in this area. It's exactly, it's government scapegoating of an individual group. And it's very similar to the strategies that Hitler employed. You know, As your president, I will do everything in my power to protect our LGBTQ citizens from the violence and oppression of a hateful foreign ideology. Believe me. And actually, I would like you to expand upon that because you're watching a show that you talked to me about, and I thought it was very fascinating because it it really highlights the similarities there. Well, for our audience out there, if they want to devote a considerable amount of time or even just a few issues, there's a show about the most popular uh, French television show called The French Village, and is really about the five or six years during the World War to experience and about the impact of the Nazis and the French, the, uh, the ideas of discrimination on, on the French people themselves in collaboration. What's important about it is that you really see that, uh, as the Nazis, a, a fascist government were suffering losses, they, uh, went after and systematically attacked other mar- um, or marginalized groups. So the Roma, Actually, uh, transsexuals and gay people, you know, were attacked. 
And uh, they were groups of transsexuals and gay people under the Nazis, I believe, uh, had to wear pink stars. And uh, so they were specifically attacked. But uh, I would encourage people, it's a very thoughtful television show to look at, but just to think about these ideas of why a leader who has fascist and limited ideas would attack other groups in the process of, uh, you know, really suffering and being, uh, you know, confronted himself. And I think that's what we're seeing is really an open attack on these other groups. It is very, very concerning in our country and should raise red flags about fascism, really. Well, I think also just this idea of using people, a group of already marginalized, already discriminated against group as political pawns. I mean, for me, that is just sickening. And it's very hard to talk about, honestly, because it's so upsetting. But it's important because it's discussions like this where I think we educate and we help people consider these things. Sorry, going on a little rant here, but no, Jennifer. You know, part of it, it, it's infuriating. I think what I see in particular, because I tend to track patterns, I think that's maybe part of our psychological background. I see the use of certain words and just the repetition over and over and over as kind of being used to direct people's opinions about things and support hate and fear. Mm -hmm. And so I'm talking about words like PC, politically correct, you know, so a lot of times as people are talking about trans rights, humans rights, trans people are human. It's this idea of, you know, oh, you're too PC, you know, that, that, that is really a negative, terrible thing. I think the other word that I've heard used a lot in a manipulative way is the idea that trying to be more inclusive is really a social experimentation. Have you heard that come up as well? Yes, yes, I think. Like a social uh, experiment. It it reminds me of the Trump words around fake news. Mm -hmm. If you can demean the other's ideas, Mm -hmm. um, you do take away their power. Mm-hmm. And um, just I want to go back for one moment to this uh, show, French Village. Sure. What happened it happens in this program is that eventually the Nazis, the fascists, the collaborators are confronted in a group setting and in through legal trials. And they have to defend their ideas. And you really see the weakness of this structure. And I think we're at the beginning of these attacks or in the middle of them, maybe. And we really have to be alert to them and think of, <laughs> listen to the words carefully. You know, so what you're suggesting, everybody should be listening to PC. They should be listening uh, to the words that are being used in this and trying to think behind them, because it really is to engender division and hatred in our country. Yeah, which is really the opposite of what you want a United States to be. Yes, yes. And, you know, the idea that these words would stir up division and hatred, again, is similar to Hitler. Right. What he would do. Right. Exactly. He would bring up words of hatred. He would use them to rile people up and he would use them to increase fear. And these are really devices used in fascism, which is really an unfortunate thing that we're seeing in our country today. 
I think one thing we haven't talked about yet, which I also think is important, is that this is a group that has ex- already experienced a lot of betrayal. And I mean, I don't know how many LGBTQ people actually believe Trump when he said, you know, that he would promise to fight for them. But I think the fact that it is on record that he said this and then he enacts this type of policy on top of the fact that, you know, he I forget the exact words. I'd have to find the quote. But he says something about, you know, after speaking to my generals and military experts or something like that. But the truth is they had actually requested more time to review this type of policy. So I think there's just so many different pieces that for a lot of people, it may be a lot to take in. And I think part of what we can do is help connect all the dots so that people can see the bigger picture. Well, I think as listening as Americans, his tweets tend to follow a confrontation of his own behavior. So when he's confronted about his relationship to defending Kushner, who met with the Russian attorney, and it's believed that he now constructed the statements that Kushner made or had an active role in this, then we get this type of attack back. So I think it's very important to look at what's going on and just this morning, you know, we're experiencing concerns about uh, affirmative action, another area that protects, you know, groups that are uh, need protection, really. And again, you know, I'm thinking, what is the cover-up point? The attack covers something. You know, what is going on today in the White House that requires this type of attack? And this is very similar to what Hitler did when he was experiencing losses on the Eastern Front. He would attack a new group. He developed the final solution, you know, as it more fully as the war moved on and he was losing. So these are attacks that really are meant to counter and cover uh, behavior. I think what's also interesting about these attacks is the way they're packaged. They're packaged as being more effective, helping the nation. And obviously, as you look at this, like these are not actual things that are happening. But it's very interesting to see. I mean, it goes back to I know a lot of allusions have been made to, you know, the 1984 Orwellian type. Uh, what is it called? Think speaker. I, I, can't remember <laughs> I don't remember the words. It was an interesting like book that. we should all reread at this time. Yeah. Um, but this idea of words being twisted so that although on the surface they look very nice, if you look at what they are actually covering, it's very different and almost the complete opposite. Right. And that, again, gets back to the fake aspect, fake words, really, you know, fake coverage, fake support, you know, which fits with fake news. But we have a real group here that we work with, and they need protection, and they need others to speak out for them, you know, because they are vulnerable, you know, and when they're vulnerable, they feel marginalized, and this is part of this whole process. Yeah. You know, it's hard for us, I think, in terms of working with individuals around all of this. I guess what type of conversations can people have? What can we do about this? I think really, as you said, Jennifer, to try to connect the dots in our own mind, to pay attention to the news, to support individuals that we know who are transgendered or are really struggling with sexual matters and other matters at this time, and to not give up you know, 
in this, because I think what amazes me about the White House right now, I imagine they have a whole list, several files of documents that they can bring forward when they're viewed as being under attack. And it's just going to be one after another. And, uh, you know, how do we stay strong through this and, and able to really handle all of this? And I think it's really a combination. So it's a combination of dealing with the fact that even if these things are these, um, what do you call them? I guess these things that are being enacted, even if they are a distraction, they still harm people. So we still have to mobilize and we have to fight against it and we have to use our voices to, to state that this is not okay. I think we can't forget that there is also a larger picture at play. And so while we are working to deal with this sort of constant onslaught against people that are vulnerable and marginalized, we also have to look at how does this play into a bigger picture where it's really a distraction from other things that are going on. Exactly. If we remember, or, you know, recall one of the series of tweets on this, our military must be focused on decisive and overwhelming victory and cannot be burdened with the tremendous medical cost and disruption that transgender in the military would entail. I mean, that, again, is the language, really, of individuals like Hitler. I mean, I think it's very important to state that, you know, it's a fascist response. Um, we can listen to the words, you know, because it's clearly, you know, causing a lot of trouble here. And if we do not hear them, you know, I think we're all at risk for this. I think so. And I think you and I being able to talk about it, I think us being able to talk with friends, you, our listener, being able to talk with other people around your community, I think that helps keep us in an, in a state of raised awareness, which is really important because part of the strategy is to overwhelm people so much that they stop paying attention. And I think that is really one of the biggest things is, yes, is this hard to hear? Absolutely. Is it frustrating to be so angry all the time about these things? Absolutely. We cannot let that stop us from talking about these things, from making sure that other people are aware of these things, because that is how people let things slide. That's how things get pushed through, that later on, looking back, it's like, how did that happen? I think also to underscore that this uh, this fascism divides, those ideas divide, and our country now is very divided. So I think thinking about all the transgendered individuals that come from, you know, all of the Midwest, really, where I grew up, the involvement with that, really, they too are suffering. They too need conversations in this area. You know, they need support. And I, I think there is change and recognition when people hear these ideas um, that there's really concern uh, about having a president who espouses them. They are not American ideas. They're really not. They are not American ideas. And I think one of the things that that reminds me of is looking at one of these polls that was done, an opinion poll that was released on the Friday after this Wednesday announcement. 58% of adults said they agreed with the statement, transgender people should be allowed to serve in the military. And that gives me hope. 
Hope to both of us. Well, Jennifer, another good topic, and I encourage everybody to keep talking about it and to see that sexuality is really in many aspects of our lives, so we really have to be alert to that. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you. Come on. Let's talk about sex.